This morning, I'd like to talk to you about a subject that I think is so exciting. I'll start with uh, a little background on me. Uh, I met my lovely wife in West Tennessee. That's where I grew up. And uh, it was on my first visit to the Jackson Seventh-day Adventist Church. And uh, hadn't joined the church. Or didn't know all that much about it. But uh, I wanted to visit. And so we were visiting and... It wasn't very long after that that we began dating, and Judy was a nurse at the time. She was teaching nursing, and she was on her way to her career. I, on the other hand, was working at a pretty low-paying job, I might say. Uh, it really didn't offer much potential for any advancement at all, and I was, if you wanted to say, quote, poor. I was a poor guy. And I, I lived in this little one-room efficiency, and I could put everything I owned back then in the back of the car. And I uh, can't do that anymore, but uh, back in those days, I could do that. And you might say, well, how poor were you? And uh, you've heard that saying, poor is the church mouse? Well, I was so poor that the church mouse, when he came to visit me, he, he stayed in the neighbor's house because I didn't have room. <laughs> But, uh, I was working back then at a wholesale florist, doing warehouse work and uh, making deliveries to retail shops. And, uh, you know, when a florist bought flowers from us, they wanted the freshest flowers possible. And uh, if they wanted roses, for example, they wanted them to be tight. And they wanted them to last a long time. And so when the roses were opened and they looked beautiful, the florist really did not want to buy them then because they wouldn't last as long. They, you know, they're already on their way out, really. And sometimes if they had an immediate order and they were in a bind, they would buy those flowers, but for the most part, they wanted fresher flowers. At our wholesale house, Thursday was clean-out day. And that's the day we got rid of all the old stuff and brought in the new stuff. And uh, we threw away all the oldest flowers. Many of them were not good. They were going bad. But some of them, often we threw away a lot of perfectly good, beautiful roses because, uh, you know, you couldn't sell them. And so we had this big dumpster right outside where we threw all the flowers. And our boss would allow us to take some of those flowers for personal use. And uh, I would often take some to my mom. I'd take her flowers often because I could. Well, when I met Judy and we started dating, I was able to take her flowers all the time, you know, and uh, every chance I could. So this poor as a church mouse guy who could hardly afford to take her out to eat uh, could always show up at the front door with flowers. And I remember uh, two or three times that I brought her 50 roses at a time. And uh, so she stuck with me. That's good. <laughs> well, we got married. That all moved. We came up to Southern to, for me to go to school here. And so the flowers had to stop. And uh, all I could do now up here was get little Debbie cakes for her. 
and uh, didn't do that that often. But I could no longer afford to buy flowers as I did, and she would not want me to as much because it costs a lot of money. Valentine's Day coming up, isn't it? And you know the prices they have out there. And, uh, but I, every once in a while, I did splurge and I'd buy her some flowers, but nothing like I did in those days. I'm looking forward that someday, someday, we're going to go to that earth made new. And I hope that we can have right outside of our home a field of beautiful flowers of every type and color, flowers that will never fade, flowers that will never die. Amen. Isn't that a good thought? Because on this earth, as beautiful, the most beautiful flowers you can get, they'd still fade and they die. I don't believe that's the way it's going to be in heaven because there's no death in heaven. I think that includes the, the flowers. I hope it does. And uh, in the heaven and the new earth, it's going to be different than it is here. And I'm looking for Jesus to come. I'm longing for Jesus to come because every time I think about heaven and uh, what's going on there, I, I think about all he has in store for us up there that we can't see here. I've often tried, and I know you have too, I often tried to sit down and imagine what heaven will be like. What can heaven be like? But I know that we can never imagine how wonderful it's actually going to be. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, he says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those who love him. So you can think about it all day long, but you can't comprehend it, how wonderful it is. And so I hope that you're looking forward to heaven as much as I am. And I think it's not going to be long. Today I would just uh, like to read a few words from the Bible that talk about heaven and the new earth. It's a, my sermon's pretty simple. But uh, as we look at the scriptures, I want us to keep in mind what I just said, that the best imagination of anything we can think of about how wonderful heaven is, we're told that it's only a dim reflection of the reality of heaven and what the new earth and heaven will be like. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, at the end of the creation week, the Bible says, God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. You know, it was very good. And so God placed Adam and Eve there in this beautiful garden, this perfect garden, the Garden of Eden. But then sin came in, and you know the story. In the end, God banished Adam and Eve from the garden, and this world began a deterioration that has gone down, down, down to the extent of the deterioration of today. And uh, so even though we can't really grasp what heaven and new earth is like, we can know as the world becomes more evil, it becomes more degraded, that the contrast between how it is now and how it will be after Jesus comes will be beyond our wildest thoughts. And, you know, I thought about, you know, the world's getting worse and we're going through a time of trouble. Everything is going to happen. 
But all of that just widens the contrast between what it is here and what it will be. So this morning, let's just take our Bibles and read a few things about what we are told. Uh, in Revelation 21 and 22, we have a description of uh, what John the Revelator saw in a vision about heaven. And uh, I imagine that John was never the same again after that vision. He got to see things that we can only imagine. And let's start with Revelation chapter 21. You have your Bibles, and I have the King James today. I use many Bibles, but uh, I love the poetic way uh, it's written here. Revelation 21, I'll read verses 1 to 3. And it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Beautiful words, beautiful words. And uh, the most wonderful part of heaven is not going to be the beauty of everything around us. It's going to be that we will be in the physical presence of God. The physical presence of God. Now, we, uh, we can talk to God, and he talks to us, and we can feel him near, but it's going to be different to be right there in his physical presence. God the Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. In fact, being with God is what's going to make it heaven. It's not going to be everything else. What's going to make it heaven is that we will be with God. Every other wonderful thing we see or experience is just gravy compared to that. Now, if I skip down to verses 23 to 27, if you want to just follow me along, a page here will cooperate. Stuck there. <laughs> And the city had no need of the sun, and neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the honor and glory of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb is the light. The Lamb is the light. I love that thought. And I also like what it says, verse 25. The gates of heaven shall not be shut at all by day, 
for there will be no night there. So that means the gates are open all the time. Obviously, if there's no night, 24-7, the gates are open. You know, in our house, I have my routine. I know some of you do. The guys get certain jobs. I get the job. I take out the trash, you know. <laughs> and uh, my routine at night is that I go around and I turn off all the lights. I go check all the doors to make sure all the doors are locked. And uh, we actually purchased a security system with our motion sensor lights on it because several cars in our neighborhood have been broken into. And we just live right down the road here. And, uh, you know, we have those cameras and we can, we can see what's going on outside or we can look back and see what happened. You know, you can't always catch anybody, but uh, at least you know what happened. I've always heard people talk about, back in the old days, <coughs> about how it used to be when they didn't lock their doors. You ever heard that? Back in the, we never locked our doors back in those days. Well, in the 40s, and this is some things that I read, back in the 40s, 1940s, America, in America, many people began earnestly locking their doors. Something began to change in the 40s. And I don't know all the reasons for that, but I read that, and I thought about that for a little while, and I thought, you know, that's not exactly true that it began then, because people have pretty much always locked up their valuables and locked up their doors or at least locked up, you know, the things that were important to them. And uh, before that, many people buried their valuables even in the ground. Uh, the Romans in Jesus' time, they locked their values, uh, valuables in metal boxes and they carried the keys around with them all the time. Uh, in ancient, uh, the ancient Egyptians had pin locks on their wooden doors. Even in ancient Assyria, way back there during the days of Jonah in Nineveh, a lock and key box has been unearthed by archaeologists. So way back then they were locking up their stuff. And all throughout history, people have locked up their homes, even if they didn't have locks, people... Uh, before that, put wooden bars on the inside of their doors, you know, to, to keep anything that shouldn't be coming in out. But in heaven, like I said, there will be no locks. No locks on the doors. There will need, uh, neither on our homes that we, where we live in the new uh, earth. And when we get to heaven, there will be no locks. There'll be no need there because heaven is the place of perfect safety. Can you imagine that? Perfect safety. You never have to walk down the street and wonder who may be following you or what may be happening because it's the perfect place. And let's back up now to verse 4, if you will. Verse 4 in Revelation 21. And it says here, And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. The former things are passed away.
the curse will have been lifted. The curse will have been lifted and all the former evil things of earth that we see now will no longer be. After Jesus comes back the second time, we'll spend a thousand years in heaven with him. And then uh, the new Jerusalem, heaven, as we call it, will come down to earth. It'll rest on the Mount of Olives. And the earth will be totally recreated back to its original state be, uh, when it was created. It'll be like the Garden of Eden that Adam and Eve were cast out of. And each of us will have a home in the new earth. You know, not too early to start thinking about what you want in your home. We talk about it all the time, you know. And uh, what are we going to have when we get up there? What are we going to build? Because it says we're going to build it ourselves. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 55, 65, excuse me, verses 21 to 25. You'll turn there. Isaiah chapter 65. I'd like to share with you a little bit about that time. I'll begin with verse 21. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. In other words, nobody's going to come in and take your home away from you. They shall not plant and another eat. Now, I don't think that necessarily means you can't invite somebody for dinner. I think that means that somebody's not going to come in and steal your food. For as the days of a tree are, the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain and shall not uh, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, and while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. I particularly like that last sentence. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. What a great promise that is. I have to read to you now just a couple more verses. What it says in chapter 26, 66, in verses 22 and 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Sabbath in heaven going to be unimaginable unimaginable I can't wait for that I'm looking forward to heaven imagine being with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit with all our loved ones who've passed on now raised from death to life with all of us now uh, with all of us who are now alive who have trusted in Jesus along with the redeemed of all the ages we're going to all come together on Sabbath 
And as we come together, we are going to worship God in a peaceful, perfect environment. I can't even imagine what a joyful experience that will be. And to think we have that to look forward to every Sabbath, every Sabbath in heaven. If we'll just remain faithful until Jesus comes. And you know, just remaining faithful to God for a few years means that you're going to enjoy heaven for eternity. So there's nothing more important than being faithful to Jesus now for this short time of life because we have so much that uh, will be repaid to us if we are. Ruth and Bob were the parents of an only child, a little boy, and his name was David, but they always called him their Davy boy. Davy boy. Uh, Davy was a tender-hearted, thoughtful little boy, and uh, he loved both of his parents very much. But I guess you could say that Davy was especially close to his mother. He was a, what we call a mama's boy. And uh, I know all about that. Uh, I mean that in a very positive way. That's a good thing. My son and my grandson are both mama's boys. And uh, that's just the way it is sometimes. And, uh, of course, Dad gets his share, too. But uh, you can tell when they're a mama's boy. And from just a toddler, Davy would go out into the yard, and he'll pick the little wildflowers that popped up, you know, the dandelions and such. And sometimes he would pick a lot of weeds along with those dandelions, and uh, he would bring them in and... Uh, show them to his mother, but, and, uh, but that didn't bother her at all. She was happy to have the weeds. It just melted her heart every time Davy Boy came through that door with a big smile and a handful of dandelions and weeds. And Ruth always pretended that these were the most beautiful flowers that she had ever seen in her life. <coughs> and she'd find a glass or a little cup, and she'd put them on display in the living room for everybody to see. And people will come over and they say, oh, and you know, most people are intuitive. They'll come over and they know you got a little boy and they see that on the uh, table and they say, ah, I know what that is. You know, the, uh, the children have helped out and uh, have given to mommy. And as he would raise, his, uh, as he would raise her, Excuse me. As he would hand her the flowers, Davy would always say, I love you, Mommy. I love you, Mommy. And that made it even more special. She looked for that every time. And this was going on for a long time. And finally, Dad decided, and that's Bob in the story, decided to help out Davy and also to slow down all the weeds coming in. And so... Uh, he took Davy Boy to the flower shop, and he told Davy, he said, Now, son, uh, I will help you buy a pretty rose every week. And that way it won't be necessary to bring him in from the yard. And so Davy thought that was a great idea. So that began what was the routine of a rose a week. And Davy never forgot, and Dad stuck to his promise. And so every week... There was never a time when there was not a fresh rose 
in the house in a vase sitting on the table in the living room. And every week, Davy would hand that flower to his mom, and he'd say, I love you, Mommy. Every week. Well, it was Mother's Day, and Davy Boy was eight years old. And the young boy came in the front door with flowers in his hand, but on this very special day, it was not a single rose. Davy was carrying a beautiful vase, of a rose bouquet in a vase. And... Uh, it was made into an arrangement, and it was beautiful. And Dad came in the door about that time following the boy, and uh, he looked at his wife, and he said, this was all his idea. I had nothing to do with it. He saved up his allowance for a long, long time uh, because he really wanted to do this. And he said, I even offered to pay for it, but he wouldn't have it. He wanted to get them all by himself. And so as Davy sat that arrangement down on the table, he pointed something out to Mom. He says, look, Mommy, they are silk, but they look like real flowers. They will last forever. They will last forever. That's how much I love you, Mommy. And so it was a gift of love. And, of course, you know, it got to Mom, tears fell. And she said, oh, honey, they're beautiful, and so are you. It was a very special moment that would never be forgotten. Then years went by. Years later, Davy had moved out, established his own home. Everything's going on. And his dad had died a few years before. And <clears throat> now his mother was up in years. And Davy got word that his mother was very sick. And so he, uh, she was in the hospital. And Davy went to be with her. And a few days later... Ruth passed away with her Davy boy right beside her, holding on to her hand. And just moments before she passed, Davy leaned over, still holding her hand, and he whispered in her ear, I love you, Mommy. A few days later, Davy decided it was time to go over to the house that he'd grown up in and to just kind of check on things in his parents' house. And he walked into their bedroom, and he noticed on her dresser an old arrangement of flowers. And he realized that those were the flowers that he had given her so long ago. And they had faded a lot. They looked their age, but they were clean. They were in order, as though they had been dusted off and as though they had uh, been taken well care of. And so Davy <clears throat> looked at that thought back. Then he noticed a little card underneath the vase. <clears throat> and as he pulled it out, he recognized his mother's handwriting. And even though the ink had long begun to fade, he was able to read it. And the card showed these words. These flowers are a gift from my son. They remind me every day that I will always be loved. You know, friends, some day... When we get to heaven and we are in the presence of God, where there's no sin and sorrow and death, none of that will be there where the flowers will never fade or die. But even now, we can know that in God's eyes, that when we get to heaven, we will be the most precious flowers in his garden. You and I. 
That's because that's how much he loves us. How much he loves us. Think about that today as we sing this beautiful song about heaven. When we all get to heaven's number 633, a closing song.